Thanks for listening to the Cornerstone Tulsa podcast. Our mission is to cultivate a community shaped by the gospel for the renewal of all things. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at cornerstonetulsa.org or find us on social media. And with that, let's hop into this week's teaching. Lindsay, come on up. I've given Bray and Lindsay the impossible task of telling their life stories in like 10 to 12 minutes, which is very, very difficult. But Lindsay is a professional. I'm not. (laughs) Um, Also, I talk with my hands, so this is going to be tricky. Good luck. I have confidence (laughs) in you. Uh, Lindsay, let me pray for you as you get started. Father, I thank you for my friend Lindsay, and I thank you for the remarkable things that you've done in her life. And I pray that you would give her a a peaceful spirit and help her to share the right words in reflecting on her own life of your faithfulness that will build us up and encourage us and increase our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Well, we're really thankful to be part of this community, John. Um, God has been at work in my life, like my entire life, whether I saw it or not. I think if there was a theme to my life, it would probably be God's incredible faithfulness. Um, I grew up in Tulsa. Um, my parents had moved here to go to Rayma and to ORU. Um, my dad really struggled with mental health most of his life. Um, but because of the stigma around mental health, especially in Christian communities at the time, he really never sought help or support. Um, he was abusive with my mom and with my brother and I when we were little. Um, but eventually he left us for another woman but moved in and out five times. And during that time, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And through God's provision, great provision, my grandparents had moved to Tulsa and were able to care for my brother and I while my mom was receiving treatment. And I remember laying with my grandma and just in bed at night and just with this childlike faith believing that God is good and I don't have a dad and I need a mom and my baby brother needs a mom and God, you're gonna do something. I know you're gonna take care of this. And I really believed it. and my mom didn't want any more treatment, so she was going to go in and they were going to get as much as they could. It had spread. The doctors weren't sure what was going to happen. And despite what they thought, they went in and got it, all of it. And my mom has been cancer-free for 28 years. Praise God. And I think that solidified for later in life just God's faithfulness and God's goodness to hear our cries, even as that childlike faith waned as we grow up. Um, I always came back to that in life, and there's so much more I could say on my childhood, but know that God's protection and provision was there throughout all of it. Um, I grew up and went to OU, and then ORU, I had moved to ORU, transferred to be with my grandfather when he got sick and stayed because of my boyfriend, um, who is now my husband. Um, We started dating, we met each other in youth group, started dating after we graduated high school, and dated all through college, and then graduated and got married. And we looked forward to marriage with like this great excitement and expectation that so many young couples do. But um, what we found when we got married was uh, a lot of difficulty. Marriage was really hard. And um, I think both of us had not dealt with a lot that we needed to give to the Lord. We fought constantly all the time. And um, after a year of marriage, we got a divorce. And I was just heartbroken um, in so many ways. And yeah, I think that, sorry, um, my brokenness in that time, I just really was turning away and just wanted to get away. And um, 
I was felt isolated from a lot of people in my life, especially in the Christian community with the stigma around divorce. And I'd, I'd studied abroad in college and contacted friends and moved to Germany to go to grad school. Like I said, I just wanted to get away from it all. And in that country of mostly atheists, many atheists, I really reached out to God in a way that I um, hadn't ever before. I'd kind of seen God as operating in this like black and white. And what I learned was that God can reach us in the middle of the gray. He can love us and touch us and change our hearts when we are in that gray. And I reached out to him in a way I never had, and he began to heal my heart from the trauma of my childhood, from my marriage, and he just started to pray all the time, and I prayed for Will that he would um, find someone that he would heal, that he would find someone that wanted the same things he did. And I'd post it on Facebook, um, as he did like 15 years ago, that I was so excited for Thanksgiving, um, but I was gonna miss all the delicious American food because you can't get it in Berlin. And I got a ring on my doorstep, and um, I went down, and on my Berlin doorstep was Will with canned pumpkin and Stouffer stuffing, and um, a changed heart, too. Mm. And God had really been working in his life in these deep and far-reaching ways as well. And um, we started talking all night on Skype, um, and really, after many months of doing that, I moved home, and after a few months, we got remarried. And are truly, like, everybody, with not without our struggles, but truly whole and happy. And what I did not think was redeemable, mm. what I thought was utterly and completely broken beyond repair, the Lord redeemed and restored mm. in the most beautiful way, in a way that I would have never expected, in a way that I didn't know. And what the devil had, had intended to, to crush my spirit and to my life, my, the trauma from my childhood, my brokenness from being divorced, uh, the Lord worked together for good, like only he can when we seek him. Mm -hmm. And not only in my marriage, but also in my life. I, in OU, I returned to Tulsa and started going to OU Tulsa to finish graduate school. And I learned in Berlin, of all places, that Oklahoma has more women in prison than anywhere in the world. Um, in fact, more prisoners per capita. And that really lit this fire in my heart, um, and I told the Lord I wanted to do something about it, and I found a nonprofit in a church serving children of prisoners and became program director and later executive director. And in my free time, I did research in prisons with women and their children through the University of Oklahoma. And um, God really blessed this time in our life um, when our agency needed the right employee or the right funding. I know that God had ordered our steps, and we started growing exponentially, serving kiddos throughout the state of Oklahoma. Um, and during that time, Will and I also fostered, um, because we're waiting to have biological children um, for me to finish my research. And that's a whole other thing. I felt like the Lord had placed that on my heart, but I don't have time to get into that today. Um, but I did finish my research, and with our 17-year-old foster daughter living with us, we started trying for a biological family. And um, yeah, within a few months, we were pregnant with a beautiful baby boy. We were so excited. and. Um, the ultrasound tech even asked when, when, I, uh, when we went in for the first ultrasound, and I was like so weepy that she, um, if we'd been trying for a really long time, and my husband, who was just equally as emotional, um, told her, no, we hadn't, but we'd been together for a long time and really praying for this for so long, for such a long season. Um, and I began to start in the second trimester, get this pain in my back, and it just didn't go away. And after many like doctor's visits and several weeks, um, we went to the ER, and I left with a referral for a specialist. 
And that night, I had our baby boy, Thomas, in my living room. Um, he was beautiful, and uh, watching him struggle to breathe and die was probably the hardest thing I will ever do in this life. But in the beginning, I felt like God was, God's hand was on all of Thomas's life. He had brought Will and I together in a way that we'd never been. We'd prayed for him before he was there. We'd laid hands on my body every night. Um, God had shown himself faithful to me because I got to hold my beautiful baby for his entire life. And that's not something every woman who experiences pregnancy loss is able to do. And I felt like Will had cared for me and been so compassionate and loving. And when we lost it, truly God had not forsaken us. Not for a moment. For a moment. That's no, right. no, not for no, a not moment. Not for a moment. That's what we say right. yeah. at his service. Yeah. Yeah, John uh, did the praise and worship at his service for Thomas. Um, and but as time went on, I, uh, it wasn't as easy. We lost a second baby in there a lot earlier, um, and then we had a hard time getting pregnant again. And I think it wasn't overnight, it wasn't on purpose, but I slowly became really resentful and really angry. And I didn't mean to be, but I started to be angry at God. I think I was hiding in a lot of ways again. I think um, the Lord was still with us the whole time, but I really buried myself in my work. I stopped reading my Bible as much. I stopped praying as much as, and I just told myself that I was making a difference in the lives of vulnerable children, and that mattered. Um, but I really wish I had walked through that season more gracefully, but I didn't. I was really, really angry. Um, and I remember... On, I began to wonder, in fact, and I think we all do that when we go through struggles, maybe, if, if God had, um, if I was in trouble for something, maybe, like, if I'd done something different, if I'd had more faith, if we hadn't gotten a divorce, maybe it would have turned out differently, and I'm here to tell you that's not from God at all, but um, I had Galatians, a uh, scripture on my, on my mirror that I looked at every day, but it was Easter, and we went to church, and I think that was just this turning point for me that I realized in such a real way in that scripture, which was that God had died for Thomas, that Jesus died for Thomas, and how much I loved him, how much I loved him, God sent his son to die, that my son might live and does live with him. And I realized that I had to either just go all in and take everything to God, and he would be okay with that, or I just needed to stop pretending and turn away. And in that moment, I just went to God with, in a way I hadn't, with all of my anger and my hurt and my questions. Someone had told me that on the cross, Jesus asked, why have you forsaken me? And if Jesus could ask, then I could ask too. I could yeah. ask God all my wise. Why did this happen? Why now? Why after all the things we've been through? Why did my kids get to, my friends tucked their kids into bed and mine were dead? And I told God I was scared. I was scared that it would, it would happen again. I was scared I might never have a biological child. And I was really scared of the person that I was becoming and all that anger and hurt. And slowly, as God does in all his faithfulness and goodness, he started to heal my heart. And I started to pray that not for all the things that I wanted, but that God's will be done in our life and in our family and I don't think I really believed it at first, but my head wanted to, and my heart followed. Um, yeah, and I just told the Lord, 
whatever you want to do with our family or my career serving vulnerable kids, I'm here and I'm ready for it. And shortly after that, we learned through lots of testing that in order to carry a child to term, I would probably need surgery and um, certainly bed rest and uh, not very much activity. And going to prisons is not low activity. <laughs> so I was really crushed. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I felt like I'd already lost a child. What was I gonna do? I felt like I was in this role for a purpose. God had placed me here and worked my childhood together for good that I could work with these fatherless kids. And I just asked him, we asked him together uh, that whatever we were supposed to do, let it be apparent, let it be clear. Um, let there be a way that makes sense in all of this. And um, a few days later, Will, which never happens, got an offer to move to Australia through his work. <laughs> and so that door had opened and we felt like that was supposed to happen and we walked right through it pretty quickly. Um, so here we are in Australia, <laughs> don't know anybody, um, never been there before, and uh, in a set of circumstances that only the Lord could orchestrate, we received the head, in a country of 27 million people, we received the head of the Australian Medical Association as my obstetrician. Um, and through lots of bed rest, and we had several scares that this doctor was able to help us through and get me on the right medication that I needed, um, and through lots of prayer and the Lord's um, incredible faithfulness. Um, and on June 16th, 2016, um, we had a healthy full-term baby boy. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we left Australia um, several years later with two healthy, beautiful children. And we have three children here with us today. Um, and I remember leaving Australia and landing here in the States and just like weeping like a crazy person on the plane when, when we landed with my kids because I realized my whole world had crumbled in front of my eyes when we left and I was so heartbroken. And God once again in my life after so many times had proven himself to be so faithful and so good to me. And that my story didn't define me, that he defined mm. me. And that all the things that I'd walked through, he had put in place in my life. And these children were such a blessing. And here we are with the third baby. But I hope that my story today um, encourages everyone that that hope in the Lord is stronger than any despair that you mm. walk through. And that he is good and he's truly so, so faithful. So. Amen. Praise God. Let's thank Lindsay.